Welcome back to Sage Spirituality. This is part two with your host, Joel Marbit. Now, the third thing that salt does, it adds flavor, it preserves, but it also heals. God's put us in the world to heal other people. God's put us in the world to touch the life. Many people that are walking around and literally they're walking around in their daily life and they're open wounds. Everywhere they go, they're, they're bleeding on other people. They bleed through their criticisms. They bleed through their sarcasm. They bleed through the pain or through their tears, maybe through their, the way that they react to the world. Maybe they bleed every time they get on Facebook or Twitter And every time you get around them, they're hurting people. And God's placed us in the world to heal them. God's placed us to be his hands extended to heal them. And I will tell you this, sometimes when God's using us to heal that person, it stings. This is what Methodius said as one of the church fathers. He said, now the whole spiritual meditation of the scriptures is given to us as salt which stings in order to benefit, which disinfects without which it is impossible for a soul by means of reason to be brought to the Almighty. And you are the salt of the earth, said the Lord to the apostles. God has placed his word in us and he is using us to touch those who are injured on a daily basis, to show them the love of Christ, to show them that God has a plan for their life just as well as he has a plan for us. Now, the fourth thing that salt does is it causes thirst. It causes people to to thirst after Christ. Our life should be lived in such a way that we attract other people to us, that people look at us and they say, there's something about the way that person lives. Paul said this in Colossians 4, 5 through 6. He said, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. What kind of challenge is that, that every time we open our mouth, we make sure that salt is coming out? We make sure that there's something of the gospel that's in our speech every day, every time we open our mouth, that we are redeeming the time and we realize that we're on borrowed time. Now, one thing that we have to refrain from is to give our opinion. And I'll tell you right now, or, or this is what I think when we're talking about subject of eternity, it's better to only stay with things that we really understand and what we know that God's done in our own life. This doesn't mean that we have to become professional theologians. It just means that we're careful not to put words in God's mouth. What about those believers who refuse to be salt and light? What if their commitment is only limited to Sunday and the times they're at church or the times that they're around the right people? I love the story about a little girl who's being taught Matthew 5, 6 by her mom. And she came home one day and she had shared what they learned in Sunday school, which was let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And she was talking to her mom and her mom said, It means that when we are good and kind and thoughtful and obedient, that we're letting Christ's light shine in our life before all who know us. 
Now, the very next week in Sunday school, the little girl got into a bit of a of a tiff with one of her friends there, and they got into a fuss and a fight, and so much so that the Sunday school teacher had to go find her mom to get everything settled down. And when her mom was walking her back to the sanctuary, she squatted down and looked at her eye to eye, and she was very concerned. And she said, don't you remember about what we talked about, about letting your light shine for the Lord before everybody? And the little girl just looked at the floor, and she looked around, and finally the little girl, in great frustration, she looked at her mom, and she said, Mom, I have blowed myself out. (laughs) You know what? There's times that I know a lot of believers that have blowed themselves out. Realistically, they have blown out their candle. They've blown out their light. And how do we lose that? How do we lose our light? And how do we blow ourselves out? Or how do we lose our flavor? Just a couple of things here. First and foremost, I think it's by justifying sin in our own life or in the lives of those who are on our team. I say on our team, people that are of our denominational persuasion or maybe people that are of our belief structure or maybe even political parties or whatever. When we justify sin, anytime we start justifying sin, then automatically we're losing our flavor. Sin should be something that is at the forefront of our life. And for that reason, Jesus encouraged us with great frequency to confess our sins, to ask for repentance of our sins on a daily basis. Remember the Our Father prayer. He told us to pray that three times a day. And when we pray it three times a day, that each time we should take time to meditate on that and say, God, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. He's given us that encouragement to keep sin on the forefront in our life and to realize that when it does come into our life or it comes into the life of our team, that we should be willing to confess it and we should be willing to repent from it. Now, Origen also said this. He, he had a lot to say about salt. He said, salt is useful for so many purposes in human life. What need is there to speak about this? Now is the proper time to say why Jesus' disciples were compared with salt. Salt preserves meats from decaying into stench and worms. It makes them edible for a longer period. They would not last through time and be found useful without salt. So also Christ's disciples, standing in the way of the stench that comes from the sins of idolatry and fornication, support and hold together this whole earthly realm. Friend, when Christians stop talking about sin, when Christians start accepting sin, when churches and political parties start looking and accepting sin, then we've lost our flavor. We've been blowed out, as the little girl would say. One of the indicators that we've allowed this to happen is when we hear this phrase in our vocabulary, well, at least it's not as bad as fill in the blank. When confronted with your sin, if you respond with that phrase, well, at least it's not as bad as, or at least I'm not as bad as, then friend, you've got a sin problem. The second thing that we can do to lose our flavor is by not reflecting the love of God to those around us. You know, Jesus told us that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he said the second one is just like it. He said to love your neighbor as ourselves that we've got to love those who God's put into our life. Jesus even took it to another level. In a few weeks, we're going to hear in the Sermon on the Mount the mandate that we're supposed to love 
our enemies. Now, to say that you love God, but not follow his mandates, to not live out the Christian life is, again, hypocrisy. And when we fall into this hypocrisy, friends, we're allowing the enemy to blow our light out. Another way that we can do this is by causing division in the body of Christ, among believers, among friends in the faith. Maybe we're not 100% in agreement on all of our doctrinal stances, but we attack fellow believers just because of variation of belief. You know, one of the things that Dallas Willard's taught me over the years is the fact that when we're talking about theology, we have to realize at the beginning of our conversation that some of our opinions are wrong. The reason we can say some of those opinions are wrong is, as Dallas Willard said, because I've never met a person whose every opinion was right when considering theology. And if everybody else is wrong, then I'm wrong as well. And we have to be willing to just major on the most important things, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus came incarnate. He lived and testified through miracles. He was, he was crucified on a cross for our sins. He was buried and he was resurrected on the third day. He ascended into heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit as a seal on every believer. Now, friends, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's not major on minor things. Let's major on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one. Now, when we talk about causing division, Jesus prayed a prayer. It's called the High Priestly Prayer. In John 17, an amazing prayer to read and remind ourselves that Jesus prayed for us, and not only for us, but for every believer that's ever going to come down the pipe in history. And Jesus prayed these words. He said, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. The reason the world will believe that Jesus came from heaven and dwelt on earth is because we are united as one. Now, the fourth way that we can lose our flavor is by living minimums in our relationship with God. This is a little bit like one of the ones I've already mentioned, but I had to throw this in. If we ever find ourselves asking the question or maybe pondering, how much do I have to do to get into heaven? Or is it really necessary that I do blank thing to show that I'm committed to God? I, uh, you know, If you wonder just how close you can live to the world and not cross back over into the world. If you're in those categories, friend, you're living minimums. And really, I love what G.K. Chesterton said. He said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. No, friends, it's not easy being a Christian, but it's not complicated. It's difficult. It's going to cost us. Remember, our life is going to be lived in such a way that people are going to talk about us. They are going to see us as different. But I love what St. Augustine, the great African church father, he said, when we need to know what our standard is as believers, he said, do not follow any road, but that which Christ trod. This road seems hard, but it is safe. Friends, if you will make a decision to live 
your life as Christ lived his life, you will always be on the right path. And you will always add flavor to those around you. You will always add light to those around you. Maybe if you're struggling right now, I would give you a recipe to change your situation. Take a couple years and hang out with Jesus in the Gospels. Stop reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and just take some time and hang out with Jesus in the Gospels. You cannot help when you hang out with Jesus in the Gospel for a long time to leave this mindset of living minimums because Jesus was never a minimalist in his commitment to the Father and the commitment to his purpose. Now the final way that we blow out the candle or we're blowed out, as the little girl said, is by refusing to allow God to speak through our lives to others. Now, Tertullian said this, another great church father. He said, else what is said, let your work shine. Why does the Lord call us the light of the world? Why has he compared us to a city built upon a mountain? If we do not shine in the midst of darkness and stand imminent amid the, them who are sunk down, if you hide your lamp beneath a bushel, you must necessarily be left quiet in darkness and be run against by many. The things which makes us luminaries of the world are these, our good works. Friends, he's saying this, when you refuse to be the light and the salt, you're in darkness yourself. You need to be lit. You are not fulfilling the purpose God has redeemed you for. Now, St. Teresa of Avila a saint from Spain, she said these words and encouraged us, we must all try to be preacher through our deeds. We must all make the attempt, friends, through the way we live our life to be preachers in our daily life. And we must allow the Holy Spirit to use us to be the Bible that other people are going to read. Now, what about the salt that loses its flavor? What about those believers that just say, I ain't going to do it. It doesn't matter what you say. doesn't matter what you preach. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. I'm a Christian, and I just ain't going to do it. Well, Jesus talked to those people. He said very clearly, he said, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, that's also repeated in the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, it's said that it's good only for making a walkway trampled underfoot by men and also for being thrown on the manure pile. Now, I love what Dallas Willard says here. He says, he explains that the salt is not the same salt that we have today that comes beautifully packaged and purified. This salt back in the Middle, in, in the middle East was had a base of lime in it. It was white. It was powdery. And they would use the lime on their food because it had saltiness. They would boil it and they would put it into their food and, and, and it would add season. But when it lost its saltiness, when it lost its flavor, it was only good to be thrown out and to use for uh, sidewalks, for walkways, or even worse, it was used to be thrown on top of the manure pile. Realistically, what he's talking about is it was used to cover the latrine and it was used to be thrown over top of the poop so that the smell wouldn't overtake the latrine. Now, I want you to think about what Jesus is saying here. 
He's saying if you do not allow your life to preach to other people, realistically your life doesn't have very much value at all. And you're only good to be thrown out. Now you can take that for whatever you want. These are words of Jesus. I'm not even going to put in an interpretation here. But I really, in my own personal life, don't want to do anything that Jesus said he's going to reject me for. What he's saying is is when we do not allow God to light up the world around us through our life, and when we do not allow God to use us to add flavor to the world around us through what we speak about and the way we live, friends, he's saying, I reject you. I throw you out. You you have no use in the body of Christ. Now, what makes salt valuable is its flavor. We don't buy it because of its color or its consistency or its smell or its property. It's only for its flavor. And you know what? God's placed us as believers in the world to add flavor to those around us. And just like salt, just a little bit changes everything. Just a little bit of salt on a so-so dish makes it incredible. And just a little bit of Jesus in our daily life makes us very, very attractive to those around us. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians that do refuse to preach. Howard Hendricks, he said this, he said, in, a, in the midst of a generation screaming for answers, Christians are stuttering. i got to ask you a question, friend. Are you stuttering? Are you very clear in your commitment with Christ? Are you very open about what Jesus has done in your life? Are you very open with the way you live your life, the actions, the daily life that you're living out before other people? You know, I think it's very indicting that Mahatma Gandhi said this. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. How indicting that one of the most powerful men in the 20th century, one of the most incredible men, one of the most incredible leaders in the entire world, you know what? He put an indictment squarely on the church saying, I love Christ, but I don't see Christ in Christians. Now, when we see the Didache, one of the very, very first uh, writings that the early church had Outside of the Bible, it was a kind of a, a worship guide written in the first century right after Christ. It's not part of our canon, but it's very much so based on Scripture. And in the Didache, we find this admonition to the believers. It says, Watch for your life's sake. Do not let your lamps be quenched, but be ready, for you do not know the hour in which our Lord comes. But often you shall come together seeking the things which are befitting to your souls for the whole time of your faith will not profit you if you are not made perfect in the last time. What they're saying is what God did in my life 20 years ago is of little value if you can't see it in my life right now. If I'm not talking about it right now, if I'm not talking about this incredible change that took place in my life to everyone around, it has little value right now in my life. Now what that means to us as believers, it means that we have to run to the finish line. You know, can you imagine, have you ever talked to a person that maybe one time in their life they met someone famous or they had an amazing 
situation in their life and for the rest of their life, every time you got around them, they want to remind you, hey, did I ever tell you about the time I met Brad Pitt? Hey, did I ever tell you about the time that I caught the foul ball in the seventh game of the World Series? Hey, did I ever tell you about the time that I was rescued out of a flaming car? You know, they want to tell these stories because they were life-changing events. But friend, there's not a more life-changing event than the day that Jesus Christ reached down and grabbed your soul and pulled you up and put you from a, a miry, muddy clay up on a rock, a firm place, a secure place. You know, if we're not talking about that today, if we're not allowing that experience to mold and meld who we are, if it's not shaping our actions right now, then we can look back 2,000 years ago to the first century church and what they wrote in the Didache. It says, your faith will not profit you if you are not made perfect in the last time. You know what? That work that God did is what he did, and it was amazing. But we should take time to focus on that, think about it, and be willing to share about what God has done for us. And we should look to be the light on a daily basis. I want to remind you of the words of Charles Spurgeon. I don't know that there's a stronger comment or a, or, a, or a quote that I'm going to share this week in this episode. The Bible is not the light of the world. It is the light of the church. But the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. You are the light of the world. Friends, I take this time and I want to encourage you. Would you pray and start maybe looking back at what God's done in your life and Maybe take an opportunity to pull out a pen and a paper and write down a short testimony. It only has to be one paragraph long. And if you want to know how to write out a testimony, there's just three things that you got to put down. Who you were before Christ, how Christ found you, and what Christ has done in your life. And I want to encourage you to do something. Find the opportunity to share that testimony with someone. Memorize it. Make it one paragraph long maybe two paragraphs at length, and be willing to share that story with other people so that God can use you to add flavor to those around you. Also, I want you to know that I'm praying for you, and I pray that everyone who's listening to this podcast will be challenged by the way you're living your life, that you would make a decision to reflect Jesus Christ to a dark world that you would make a decision that on a daily basis you're going to allow your actions to preach, that you're going to allow the way you respond and the way you react to speak to those around you. Parents, I want to remind you, your kids, they're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. And the question would be, are you showing them Christ? That's hard because a lot of times it means we got to swallow our pride and we got to apologize. It means we got to own our sins. It means that we've got to be willing to let the love of Christ flow through even when we're angry and upset. Friends, thank you for taking this time to sit down at the table with me. I want to encourage you, again, rate this episode, uh, subscribe, and find a way to share. Maybe through word of mouth. Maybe put it in your church bulletin. Share it on your Facebook. However you have to do it, I want you to share it. Because we want to see more and more people come to the table here at Sage Spirituality. God bless you.